This afternoon I preach you the gospel that our Lord Jesus Christ is the true food and drink to life eternal. Also as we confess that in the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Days 29 and 30. We'll read those uh, Lord's Days together. You can find them on page 544 in the Book of Praise. Here the church confesses, Are then the bread and wine changed into the real body and blood of Christ? No. Just as the water of baptism is not changed into the blood of Christ, and is not the washing away of sins itself, but is simply God's sign and pledge, so also the bread in the Lord's Supper does not become the body of Christ itself, although it is called Christ's body, in keeping with the nature and usage of sacraments. Why then does Christ call the bread his body and the cup his blood, or the new covenant in his blood? And why does Paul speak of a participation in the body and blood of Christ? Christ speaks in this way for a good reason. He wants to teach us by his supper that his bread and wine sustain us in this temporal life, so his crucified body and shed blood are true food and drink for our souls to eternal life. But even more important, he wants to assure us by this visible sign and pledge, first, that through the working of the Holy Spirit, we share in his true body and blood, as surely as we receive with our mouth these holy signs in remembrance of him. And second, that all his suffering and obedience are as certainly ours as if we personally had suffered and paid for our sins. What difference is there between the Lord's Supper and the Papal Mass? The Lord's Supper testifies to us, first, that we have complete forgiveness of all, of all our sins, through the one sacrifice of Jesus Christ, which he himself accomplished on the cross once for all. And second, that through the Holy Spirit, we are grafted into Christ, who with his true body is now in heaven, at the right hand of the Father. And this is where he wants to be worshipped. But the Mass teaches first that the living and the dead do not have forgiveness of sins through the suffering of Christ, unless... He is still offered for them daily by the priests. And second, that Christ is bodily present in the form of bread and wine, and there is to be worshipped. Therefore, the Mass is basically nothing but a denial of the one sacrifice and suffering of Jesus Christ and an accursed idolatry. Who are to come to the table of the Lord? Those who are truly displeased with themselves because of their sins and yet trust that these are forgiven them and that their remaining weakness is covered by the suffering and death of Christ, and who also desire more and more to strengthen their faith and amend their life. But hypocrites and those who do not repent eat and drink judgment upon themselves. Are those also to be admitted to the Lord's Supper who by their confession and life show that they are unbelieving and ungodly? No, for then the covenant of God would be profaned and his wrath kindled against the whole congregation. Therefore, according to the command of Christ and his apostles, the Christian church is duty-bound to exclude such persons by the keys of the kingdom of heaven until, until they amend their lives. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, have you ever turned down food even though you were quite hungry? Maybe 
you saw the food and you, you don't like the taste of that kind of food, or maybe you like the taste of it, but you're on a, a diet, or maybe you don't trust the way it has been prepared or the cleanliness of the person who is offering it to you. Well, if you've ever had this issue, then you'll be able to understand the verses we read in John 6 today. John 6, to remind you, is a chapter that talks a lot about food. In the first 15 verses, we see that Jesus multiplied the loaves. And at the same time, he taught in verses 22 to 29 that people should not give more importance to the food which spoils than to the spiritual blessings we have in Christ. And then, as we saw last week as well, that Jesus revealed that he is the true bread that came down from heaven to, uh, forever to feed the souls of all who were given to him. And then in John 6, verse 51, Jesus said some difficult words. He's, he openly declares that the true bread which is from heaven is his own flesh, which came down she came down from heaven to offer for the life of the world. The verses that follow show us that Jesus wants the church to move from the idea of bread to the revelation of his body as a sacrifice on the cross. He wants the church to move from the idea of manna in the desert to the lamb of the Passover. He wants to move from the idea of being fed to eating his flesh. He tells us that we are spiritually hungry. And then he offers himself as the meal that can satisfy, the food that can satisfy. And the big question for the Jews that he was speaking to, and, and also for us who are listening today, the church of all time, is whether or not we can understand what he is saying, but also receive him as true food and drink to life eternal. If we are willing to do what we sang in Psalm 81, to open our mouths to eat. Do we recognize Jesus as healthy, good food? Or have we chosen to live off another diet? Do we trust that he is good and, and carefully prepared? Or do we find who he is and what he stands for to be difficult to swallow and maybe distasteful? Do we just talk about what Jesus is like? Or do we receive him into our lives as the true Lord and Savior? That's the, the question of John 6. If we want to share in all his work, if we want to experience the full comfort of his love and walk with him in his kingdom, our Lord Jesus teaches us what we should do in John 6, verses 52 to 71. That's the theme of the message this after afternoon. He tells us, eat the flesh and drink his blood. Eat the flesh and drink the blood of Jesus Christ. And we'll see the three parts of eating and drinking First of all is trust, second step uh, is eating, and the third is to repeat that. Trust, eat, repeat. If you have your Bibles open, you can see in John 6 verse 52, 
the Jews were disputing among themselves. They disputed among themselves. And they're having a sharp argument. It seems that as they heard Jesus speaking, they realized there was more than one way to interpret his words. And the words that talk about this argument are very strong. They were almost coming to blows over what Jesus meant to say. It was a sharp, a bitter dispute. And we can imagine the argument about what Jesus meant with his word. What, what could Jesus mean? And we understand the argument because it's quite similar to the questions that we uh, ask and, and answer in our confession in Lord's Days 29 and 30. Maybe one person would say, well, what is Jesus saying? I, is he telling us that in order to have eternal life, we have to act like cannibals and literally come up with a fork and knife and eat his flesh and his blood like some pagan ritual? And then you can imagine the response, well, that's ridiculous. Even this suggestion would have been sharply rejected. How can you even think that's what he means? And then another might have suggested, well, perhaps... Perhaps he's, he's talking like the Old Testament sacrifice. And maybe he's saying that believers who eat him would share in, in some sort of payment for sins, renewed fellowship. And the answer to that would be, well, maybe you're getting close, but he's standing right here in front of us. How can he want us to, to eat him? He's a normal living man. We know his parents, verse 42. It'd be impossible to eat his flesh. Killing him would be against the commandments of God. And then maybe the third suggestion was, well, perhaps he's speaking in a spiritual way in keeping with the nature and usage of the sacraments, to use the words of the catechism. Well, if this was the case, then that meant that they would need to treat Jesus Christ as God, as the only source of life. This was a hard teaching to accept. But it did not need to be a hard teaching for the Jews to understand. It was hard to accept, but not hard to understand. You see, Jesus' explanation confirms for them that he was speaking about eating and drinking in a spiritual way. He was using the language of the Old Testament and the metaphor that the Jews themselves used when they offered up sacrifices. Even as Jesus was speaking to them, the Jews were preparing for the Passover. Maybe they had gone to the, the, the field and bought a lamb that very week. They were looking for that lamb to slaughter. They were going to paint some of the blood of the lamb on, on the doorposts of their, their homes. They would remember how God accepted a lamb in place of the blood of their firstborn. That's what they were involved with right at that time. You can see that in John 6, verse 4. And if you'd like to read more about what that Passover celebration looked like, you can read Deuteronomy 16, verses 1 to 18. And so the Jews who were hearing Jesus speaking, they were looking forward to eating a lamb together with other believers in a fellowship meal in order that they themselves might express their faith in God and in his continual care and love for them. The Jews knew that eating the flesh of a lamb and drinking the wine of the celebration and the Passover that, that didn't magically change them, but 
it was an expression of their trust in God. It was a way to show that they received his work with thanksgiving, that they believed that he rescued them from slavery to sin and gave them new life. They also knew, as they said that, that those who refused to eat or those who who didn't gather together with the rest of the family to partake in the Lord's Supper, that they were missing out on the grace of God. Eating was a sign of participation for all that the sacrament symbolized. The first step of eating was to trust that the food being offered is good, it's clean, it's healthy, it's something you need. The first step of eating is accepting the substitute and believing that it will help you. This is what Jesus is talking about. And then we see that the problem isn't that the Jews didn't understand, but they didn't want to trust Jesus as good food to eat. The Jews were arguing about Jesus' words, almost coming to blows about it because they were afraid of the consequences for themselves if he was right. And they still didn't believe him. There's no doubt about the meaning. Jesus came down from heaven to be a willing sacrifice that would be sacrificed. And when you walked in today, you saw the the text displayed on the wall, 1 Corinthians 5 or 7. He is our Passover lamb. That's what he's saying. He is the sin offering. And in order to have eternal life, we need to believe that he paid for our sins when he died on a cross. That is what Jesus is teaching. He's telling the church, to trust his work, to trust in him. And the gospel message is that he has come. And as we confess in question and answer 79, he is, and just as bread and wine sustains us in this temporal life, so his crucified body and shed blood are true food and drink for our souls to eternal life. The food has been prepared. Christ Jesus is the true bread from heaven. He is the Passover lamb. The words, says our Lord Jesus, his words are spirit. They are life. And so you see that, and he urges all people to believe that he can save. And so how do you demonstrate that faith? How will it be visible that you trust the food that is before you. Well, child, you can ask the child that question. You can say to the child, you know, how how can you show to me that you trust this lunch or this supper that mommy made for you? And the child will put some on his plate and he'll eat it. That's the second step. We see the second step of eating. You trust that it's good and then you eat it. In the same way that food needs to be in contact with to enter into your body through your mouth, in order to give you nourishment. Also, a man needs to be in contact with and have union with Christ Jesus in order to benefit from his work. You can think of a picture. If if you are starving, it does not help you to see a large meal through the the window of of, of a restaurant. 
Maybe you've walked through, down a street and you've looked through the window of a restaurant and you see a, a yummy meal on the table when you look through the window. Well, that doesn't help you just to see it through the window. Food in itself cannot help us if we do not embrace it, if we do not eat it. The Jews who saw and heard Jesus' teaching but did not believe him and receive him as their Lord, did not benefit from his work. And so they stood in danger of not getting the food they needed. And that's why Jesus looked at them. And he said in verse 56, let me correct that, 53, 54, 55, 56, 57, and 58. He says, eat my flesh, drink my blood. He says it's not enough just to show up, just to repeat my name, just to look at me or, or put, your, put your name, Jesus, on, on, on your belongings. You need to believe him. You need to trust that he is everything to you. You need to embrace him, says our Lord Jesus. Verse 53, he says, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. The beginning of the chapter is about Jesus as the bread of life. And then later he explains the bread is his flesh. And now in verse 53, about, after talking about eating his flesh, he adds the instruction about drinking his blood. So Jesus speaks about believing, not just with the metaphor of eating, but also of drinking. And spilled blood is evidence to death. And we can see the Lord Jesus is, is saying you need to believe the power, the reality of my death. Drink my blood. Jesus calls his church to believe. He was punished, the cross for our sins. To believe that as we confess that all his suffering and obedience are as certainly ours as if we personally had suffered and paid for all our sins. To drink Christ's blood is to share in his work, to believe that he has died for us and in our place. It is to receive the benefits of his death, the death that God accepted as payment for our sins. To know that God looks upon you as if you paid for all your sins because Jesus did it for you. And so he asks, are you eating my flesh? Are you drinking my blood? Do you believe that Jesus is your substitute? In a way, it's easier for us to understand how this could be possible than it was for the Jews in Jesus' day because they saw him there standing before him still very much alive. His words really would only become clear later on when he bore the wrath of God against the sin of the whole human race, when he was hanging on the cross. The promise of life that he gave was only truly understood when he later rose on Easter morning as the one who was victorious over death. And Jesus is very patient with the Jews. And so you can see in verses 61 and 62 that he points them ahead to his ascension into heaven so that their faith can depend on the clearest evidence of his victory, the evidence that we have today. Today we know Jesus Christ was victorious. 
We know that he ascended to where he was before. We know that Christ with his true body is now in heaven at the right hand of the Father and that this is where he wants to be worshipped. Today we can't see him here with us, not in any way. He has gone up into heaven. But this does not mean he has left us as orphans. That's how he words it in John 14, verse 18. Rather, as he promises in John 6, verse 63, the Spirit gives life as he reminds us of all the words that our Lord has spoken, all the work that he has done. We hear the voice of our good shepherd who speaks to us from his throne in heaven, the shepherd who died and who rose again, the shepherd who was seen in heaven and the vision and revelation as the lamb who was slain but is now alive forever and ever. We hear that every time the gospel is proclaimed. We hear his voice and it is signified and it is sealed for us in the sacraments. That is how it is possible for us today to obey Christ's command to eat his flesh and to drink his blood. Yes, even today we can share in all the benefits of Christ's sacrifice and enjoy the new life that he has obtained for all believers by his death and victory. Today when he says, eat my flesh and drink my blood, we, it means for us, believe in him. Be united to him. Jesus was not expecting his followers to understand uh, the connection between these words and Lord's Supper right away. However, when he spoke the words of institution of the Lord's Supper, that's Matthew 26, verses 26 to 29, then it became very clear for everyone to see. And you can see how our confession today brings together John 6 with Matthew 26, verses 26 to 28. I'll read that to you that you can see the connection then between John 6 and Lord's Supper. And here we read, uh, as they were eating, Jesus took bread. And after blessing the bread, he broke it and he gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And then he says, I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. He made it clear once again that his body and his blood have been offered as a sacrifice for many, for the forgiveness of sins. And he urges believers to show, to participate, to receive his work in faith by also participating, eating the bread and drinking the wine in faith here on the earth. And then he tells us to keep doing that until he comes, to repeat. Sometimes the Lord Jesus calls people to come to him, and other times he tells them to abide or remain in him. Those who are called to remain in him 
have already received the sign and the seal of the covenant. They have already learned about all the promises of the covenant. They are the covenant people. They are the Jewish uh, believers who were listening to his teaching. They are not to be compared to people on the street who are looking through the restaurant window at all the food, but those who are told to remain in him, who, who are born as children of the covenant, who believe and are children of believers, they are already inside the restaurant with their bill paid and full access to everything that is being offered. Like invited dinner guests, believers and their children who have received the covenant promises are able to taste and to see that the Lord is good, as Hebrews uh, says. And for a time then, while we're in the restaurant, our parents put the fruit in, in front of us and, and explain which is good and, and how it's good for us, and they encourage us to eat and enjoy it. And then there comes a time when we decide if we want to stay and continue eating inside this, this good restaurant, or if we want to leave, to go outside. And as the Lord Jesus urges us to remain in him, we face these, this challenge and this call in our life. Do we want to stay in that restaurant or maybe go outside and dig in the dumpsters for some scraps of food? Well, there are two different reactions, right? As the Lord shows himself, as he presents himself as the true food, the good food. And those two reactions are highlighted in our text. The Holy Spirit compares two kinds of disciples. First, there were the kind who lived close to Christ, who could hear him, who could see him, but they did not live, as verse 57 says, because of Christ. They were interested in his teaching and his miracles, but they were not able to entrust their lives to him. They didn't see him as the only source of all life. They didn't mind to look at him from their privileged place inside the restaurant, but they weren't planning to stick around if he lost his popularity. They weren't hungering and thirsting for his righteousness. And so they turned from the bread of heaven to go back to the slavery of sin, Egypt. And when we think about the celebration of the Lord's Supper today, we can, say, we can see that we are not being honest if we allow unbelievers and those who do not repent to come to the table of the Lord. We also must warn the hypocrites who eat bread and drink wine but do not believe that Jesus is the Christ. And that's what we confess in Lord's Day 30. The Lord's Supper symbolizes what is real, what is true, that there is faith into Jesus Christ, that there is life in Jesus Christ. We don't want to go around fooling people, making them think that everything is fine when it is not. And so Jesus warned Judas. Jesus also didn't beg the disciples who turned away, he didn't say, oh, please come back. He, he didn't try to use peer pressure to create hypocrites. He knew that some would not believe. He calls, he urges, he encourages, he presents himself as true food and drink, and yet he knows the Spirit works faith. And that's really what matters in all this, isn't it? It's very clear in John 6. 
What matters is faith in Jesus Christ. And our Lord is also clear that it is the Spirit that gives life, that is granted to us by our Father in heaven. And we can see who must come to the table of the Lord by the attitude of their hearts. We confess that those in whom God works by his Spirit, and you can read along in answer 81, they are those who are truly displeased with themselves because of their sins, and yet trust that these are forgiven them, and that the remaining weakness is covered by the suffering and death of Christ, and who also desire more and more to strengthen their faith and amend their lives. It's sort of what we heard this morning as well with the, the being in the right place spiritually like Joseph's brothers, hungering and thirsting for that offer of forgiveness in Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus then tells us, if you are hungry, then come and eat. And if we truly understand how hungry we are, then we also will continue to come to him and express our faith. We will be like the other group of disciples in our text who are also given the opportunity to leave. Jesus says, do you want to go away as well? That's in verse 67. And the response was clear. It was a response that we can identify with. It is, it is our response to the Lord as well. They said, Lord, to whom shall we go? That's verses 68 and 69. You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. That is the attitude of the heart, the faith that Jesus is looking for, that our Lord is looking for when he is looking for true believers. And when we, have, when we profess our faith, when we stand up and, and say no to the world and, and yes to our Lord Jesus Christ, it's like we have been asked the same question. And we conclude over and over again, Lord, we are hungry. And Lord, there is no one else to whom we can go. Feed and nourish us. We open wide our mouths to receive the rich food that you have prepared. And the Lord tells us that he will feed us and nourish us. Look at verses 56 to 58. And there you see a, a most beautiful promise. The Lord Jesus said, Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. There's a continual feeding, a continue, continual nourishment. And then he says, As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. And then at the end of verse 58, whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. The Lord Jesus emphasizes the continuity, the perseverance of our faith. When he lives in us, and his spirit lives in us, we will abide in him. We will not betray him like Judas did, or turn away from him when he calls us to do too much as we follow him, but we will continually eat his bread and drink his blood and be strengthened and nourished on our journey. And just as the Passover meal 
was repeated every year so the believers could repeatedly confirm their faith in the grace of God. So also, true believers will repeatedly celebrate their fellowship in Christ's death and resurrection. The message is comforting those who trust in the Father. The Father who sent the true bread. Those who eat the sacrifice of Christ by believing in Him with sincere hearts. And those who continue to eat by the power of the Holy Spirit will remain in Christ and Christ will remain in them. May the gospel banquet fill all your days and enrich your life continually. Amen.